What's up to all five of you who are watching? Hope you've had a great week. Um, before I get into this episode, I want to give a shout out to uh, Own the Day. Follow their stuff on Instagram. It's at Own the Day Forty Seven. They do a lot of free freelancing projects. They create logos, cover art, you name it. They're great. Dope logo, by the way. Own the day. This is the day, in case you didn't know. Um, but yeah, I also started a Patreon page. Uh, if you guys want to support me, go to patreon.com slash words are hard. Um, you'd just be really supporting the show, the quality of it. I could do it by myself, but I really want to give you guys quality content. And uh, yeah, also subscribe to this channel and let your friends know about it. That would really help out a lot, too. All right, so welcome to my brain. I'm Meeks, and this is Words Are Hard. So as we get into today's episode, we're going to start off with a video that I just saw this morning. And this is from the, the Dried Post? The Dried Post? What's it called, Gary? The Inside Drop. The Inside Drop. And I'm putting the audio on now. How did a disorganized mob break into what's supposed to be one of the most secure buildings in the world? People are casually what? walking in to the Capitol. The police are not doing anything about it. What is going on? We followed a group of Trump supporters as they walked into the U.S. Capitol and police officers All right, can you stop there, Gary? Yeah. All right, guys. So Gary showed me this video this morning. I had already recorded the episode, which was pretty much a shit show anyway, so I'm glad that we didn't need to record or upload that but he showed me this video this morning and I'm completely like <laughs> dumbfounded and flabbergasted and I don't have any words for it honestly like this is just super strange and it doesn't make sense why police officers the security for the DC Capitol would let people just casually walk into the building that with Congress members voting on the result of the election like what it doesn't make sense. Like, Gary, what are your thoughts on this? It is very, very peculiar. I I watched that video a couple of times, and the the police are telling people, you can't come in, don't come in, nobody can come in. But they're also doing nothing to prevent anyone from coming in. They're not using, you know, any, any, uh, any sort of barricade or force, use of force. They're just casually telling them they cannot come in. Right. It's super strange, and it honestly just doesn't make sense. Like, I don't have another thought other than it doesn't make sense. Like, why? What would be the reasoning for letting them in? I have no idea. But it's something that I, after seeing this video, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole, so won't you come with me, please? Um this is all going to sound very conspiratorial, and honestly, at this point, everyone who is not a part of the Democratic Party is a conspiracy theorist. And, you know, everyone thought that Alex Jones was crazy and all this other stuff, but it seems that a lot of the things that he was talking about 10 years ago and even prior is starting to transpire. Well, almost 20 years ago now. Right. I mean, he was talking about 9-11 before it even happened. Yeah, he did. That's insane. I saw that on Bandot video. So, um, yeah, no, I remember seeing that on the website, Alex Jones talking about it. And it's just crazy how a lot of these things are now coming to fruition. But all right, so let's get right into it. What I want to talk about first is just Trump being banned off of Twitter. 
that is absolutely insane what happened. Like, the president basically got his First Amendment rights stripped away from him. And people are laughing about it. Some of you, probably a lot of you, are laughing about it and really not caring. Cause it's like, you're probably saying it's about time that he got his Twitter deleted. But it's pretty dang insane that that happened and it shouldn't be applauded or anything because it's the president of the United States getting his First Amendment stripped from him. But it's not surprising either because the big tech overlords are kind of, you know, controlling what everyone, big and small, are saying. They actually just, uh, Gary, what did they do? They suspended you on Come and Talk It? Yeah, I had posted a video of the the shooting at the Capitol. Mm -hmm. And they flagged it the day after. The lady that got shot, the day after that happened, they flagged it. And restricted my account. And I I had posted it through my personal my personal Facebook account, okay? Alright. And they said that we had broken some sort of community guideline, yet they didn't specify what guideline we had actually broken. And I'm I'm gonna pull this up right now. Okay. Um it's this video right here. Uh all right, guys, Let's you're watching this with me. This is the first time I'm seeing this, too. It's this video right here. Lady comes in. She, I, let me, uh, let me replay this here. Let me restart this. I can put the, the audio. That's the law enforcement officer with the gun in his hand. One shot fired. Lady was climbing up, and she ended up dying later. This is Ashley Babbitt. Um... Yeah, that was the video that we got flagged for. You got flagged for just uploading this video that has been circulating everywhere, basically. Yeah. And they didn't let you know, they didn't specify what rule or guideline that you guys... No, they didn't. And then the next day, my boss called somebody at Facebook and bitched them out or something, and we were I was reinstated. But originally, I had been given a 30-day ban for... Uh, posting and a 60, no, 30 day ban for going live and a 60 day for posting or something along those lines. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was not, we didn't, we weren't promoting it. We all, all the, the text just said point of view video of the lady who was, the unarmed lady who was shot at the United States Capitol. Gotcha. That just doesn't make sense why people would take down that video. Like that's, that's news. That is news. That is what happened this past week. And, I don't know, dude. It, it just doesn't make sense. But anyway, they're censoring so many voices, big and small, and it's just like, what is the reasoning behind it? And honestly, I think it's because they're just trying to make people adhere to what their bigger agenda is. And by they, I mean the the party, the capital party, which is a reference to this book, 1984. Please read it because we are living in it, guys. We are living in it. And just to give you like a little bit of a like a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of what goes on in the book, there is this man who is named Goldstein, Emmanuel Goldstein, and he is the enemy of the party. And the party is the ruler of a certain country called Oceania. And, you know, everyone in Oceania thinks the same way, they dress the same way, they refer to each other as comrade, and they are all in agreement that they hate Emmanuel Goldstein. 
So much so that every day they go out and have a two-minute hate. It's called the two-minute hate, where they just go, sit down, they congregate, and watch a video that's played of Emmanuel Goldstein, and they scream at the top of their lungs at this video. They scream at Goldstein. They hate him so much. They just have to depict and portray their hatred of him. And I, it's just, it's very strange. And I think that's what's happening right now is that I think that Trump is Emmanuel Goldstein. Everyone hates him so much simply for existing at this point. Like that man can do no right. He can't do anything right. He is the devil. He's worse than Hitler. He's literally worse than Hitler. And um, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so what was what was Goldstein's position in the book? What exact? Why did people hate him again? Dude, uh, I think it's because I honestly don't remember. I read this book just last year, but. He did something that went against the party. I think he might have been one of the founders, and then he was a traitor. He was a traitor to the party, so okay. that's why they hate him. Gotcha. So, so you know, you could, yeah, it could be argued that that, that Trump is uh, is someone who was probably on the inside of a lot of these political the p- political establishment. And I mean, you remember in 2016 at the Republican, there was a debate, Republican debate. He told all of the different Republican nominees. I paid you off, I paid you off, yeah. I paid you off. And so it could be argued that he has turned against the, the Republican Party, at least. And but he used to also be a Democrat, so maybe he's turning against perhaps. all I, of I them. I thought he was an independent before. I'm pretty sure he was an independent. No, he was a Republican. He was a, he was a Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican. Right. No, he went back and forth a couple times. You're totally right. He also... It, so look, this is uh, something I was reading earlier, and I... I like to humor the conspiracy theories. So you're saying, earlier you were saying, like when we watched that video, you said, I don't understand how this could happen. I just have no words for it. Right. Well, it's the same, it's the same sentiment as when Trump was elected. And a lot of people said, I don't understand this could happen. Well, I wonder if it's sort of a trap where they, these police, I mean, because the police quite literally allowed these MAGA rioters, I guess you would call them. I don't even know what how to describe this situation. It's not a coup. It's not a siege. It was unorganized, and Trump never actually said, go halt the process. He just right. said, we're going to the Capitol. It's very right. broad language. And it's almost as if they were set up, and the police let them in, and then they used, they used this event to blame, to you know use Trump as a patsy. Right, exactly. It seems very contrived and... Trump seems to be the martyr, the scapegoat. I don't yes, know, in, Patsy. In all that, of this. That's the the term I would use is Patsy. It's like they're using this guy to direct, like you said with Goldstein, mm-hmm. direct all this hate at him and say, well, if we don't have these set of rules put in place, then you're going to get somebody like Trump who's evil and racist and all these things. And I didn't vote for Trump because he, his uh, some of his policies don't align with mine, but I also don't think he's racist evil man that's fair and that's a fair you know that is your prerogative and that's a really good prerogative to have because you're not voting against him based on his personality or his rhetoric maybe some of his rhetoric but it's based on policy and a lot of people didn't vote for trump because of his personality just because of who he is they a lot of people just genuinely hate him because the media tells him i think that's my opinion yeah they pin a lot of racist stuff on him he definitely says inflammatory things yeah, but, but so does Joe Biden. Like, Joe Biden says, you ain't black if you don't vote for me. He said that Obama was the, the only black. clean and cut. <laughs> the 
the clean and the only clean and cut and articulate black man that he's you know met before which is super fucked up and i don't know i i don't know how people can just like turn a blind eye to that but i guess it goes both sides because like a lot of conservatives can turn a blind eye to you know some of the bad shit that trump has done so do you think trump is part of the system and and he's allowing them to use him as sort of a scapegoat because that's absolutely what's happening at this point you think so i don't think so that 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 I mean that he's being used as a scapegoat for all of the problems. For sure. For because sure. a lot of the problems that are being caused right now don't really have anything to do with Trump. I mean, we're talking about somebody that's been in politics for four years. Right. He's been probably involved with the political establishment or government at some level for almost his whole life because he's a you know millionaire, billionaire businessman. But he's never actually been the one uh, pulling the strings per se. He's maybe been taking advantage of a system that can benefit him. But then when you see people like Pelosi mm-hmm. and Mitch McConnell right. and Schumer, Lindsey Graham, all of these people who have been in politics for a very long time, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're the ones to blame. And they've caused a lot of these problems. And now they're saying it's all because of Trump. Yeah. it's, it's And he's easy to scapegoat because he talks so much shit. Right. He is easily uh, hateable. Hateable for sure. I don't even know if that's a word. Words are hard. Um, but basically, you can't trust, you cannot trust the politicians in power. You cannot trust the media. You can't trust social media. They're going to ban any form of dissent. They do not care what it is that you have to say. If it doesn't align with what they think, you're banned. And that's exactly what happened to Trump. That's exactly what's happened to my friend Savannah, who's a independent journalist, that's what's happening to a lot of conservative voices. Anyone that doesn't agree with the status quo, you are shunned. And that's just not in the political sphere. That's also in the cultural sphere now. They're they're trying to tell people, if you have friends who are conservative or if you have friends that just basically aren't liberal in any way, shape, or form, you need to cut them out of your life completely because that means, if they're not liberal, that means they are a terrible person. That's what's happened to me. I've lost friends because they think that my words are volatile. And honestly, sometimes I can just like not pay attention to what I say, but I don't think they're volatile. I don't think that they're dangerous to black people. I don't think they're dangerous to brown people. And I bring up race because one of my friends uh, this year, she told me that my views were dangerous to, to black and brown people, which was completely, <laughs> just completely uncalled for and not true but that's neither here nor there i'm just saying that this is the way that people are thinking this is the way that people are trying to tell people how to think now but um what i'm trying to get to with this too there's a lot to get through but uh yeah it's a complex issue it is a complex issue it's massive and and it sprawls across a Party lines and across decades. There's yes, across decades for sure. Like uh, this goes, this goes way back, probably like further than the '60s. I would imagine, honestly, probably in the '70s too. Like either starting in the '60s or the '70s is what I mean. But I think all of this has to do with what is coming, what is for sure inevitably coming, and that's the Great Reset. And if you guys don't know what the Great Reset is, basically, it is a, it's an idea formed by by uh, Charles Schwab, I think is his name. Not Charles Schwab. I don't know what his name is. Let me see. His name is, his name escapes me. Klaus Schwab? Yes, Klaus Schwab. Thank you, Gary. 
So Klaus Schwab has this idea for the Great Reset for the World Economic Forum. They have they have meetings every year. They've been having meetings since 1973. But the idea behind the Great Reset is that they have three main goals. The first um, is to, yeah, that's the right one, Gary. The first is to, um, to, to steer the market towards fairer outcomes. Controlling the market? Yes, controlling the market. So Fair, no free markets, I'm No assuming. free market. They're going to completely reform the market in the way that people use it. That is one of their first goals. The second component of it is to ensure that investments advance shared goals. Shared to who, exactly? Shared to whom? And their third and final priority is to harness the innovations of the fourth industrial revolution, which is... There's, there's a lot is to that, it, guys. There's are they lot. talking about a technological revolution regarding yes. this fourth industrial revolution? That's a part of it. That's a huge component to what their, their so, mission is. All right. Let me look. Let me do some. You keep rolling with this. I'm going to do some research on Klaus Schwab. Right. But, yeah. So their third and final priority, guys, is to harness the innovations of this fourth revo- fourth industrial revolution, which is just like the... The age of technology, you know, technology is rapidly increasing with innovations, like at an exponential rate. And there's this thing called, or there's this um, idea that is real. It's called the Internet of Bodies. And essentially what that is, is, um, you know, technologies that assist people in various forms, like with healthcare, with um, their behavior, uh, what they eat, all these different things are a part of the Internet of Bodies, and that is what the Great Reset is actually trying to acquire is all of these technologies so that people all around the world can basically be one, um, one society. They all agree on everything because they have shared goals, they have fair outcomes for everyone, and the way to have fair outcomes is to monitor human behavior with the Internet of Bodies. And uh, it's just it's just wild. I, I just read about this this morning, guys, so it's still, it so still shocks me. Klaus Schwab is a German engineer and economic economist, excuse me, best known as the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. His wife and, f- and first collaborator, Hilde, co-founded the Schwab Foundation for Social Entrepreneurship with him. All right. Well, he is the head of the Great Reset. He wrote several articles about it. I think he's written a book about it, but um, I'm taking this off because it's hurting my head. But still, go like Own the Day. Go follow Own the Day at Instagram at Own the Day 47. Yeah, Carl, uh, what is his name? Klaus. Klaus Schwab, he is the orchestrator of what is going to transpire in the next year because build back better. Build back better is the slogan for uh, the Biden-Harris administration, if you guys didn't know. And building back better is just, it's a part of the Great Reset's goal to have a one-world government eventually have a one-world currency. And honestly, that just, that's another thing to get into. Is just I think that 
the one world currency that we're probably cashless society, cashless society that we're probably going to see in the very foreseeable like near future. Well, it's happening now. I mean, a lot of places there's a, there's this national coin shortage. I say that with, you know, in air quotes, even though you can't see me, Mm -hmm. there's a national coin shortage and they're saying we don't take cash because we can't give you, you uh, change. And then they're saying, uh, we can't take cash because of COVID, but yet, I touch my credit card more than I touch the cat. You know, it just doesn't yeah. make any sense. It's, it really doesn't make a difference if you use a card or if you use cash. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing is the value of a dollar, the value of the different currencies around the world varies. You know, like the, the dollar to the euro ratio is different just because we have these different societies. I think one of the main goals of the Great Reset, like I said earlier, was to have a one-world government, a one-world currency where – there is no ratio between two societies. We are all going to be one society. And that is actually the goal of Oceania in George Orwell's book, Nineteen. It was also the goal of Marx, right? It was the Equality. goal of Marx. The difference that, the, the thing about Marx is that he, I do think he had one thing incredibly right. He thought that everybody should basically have a gun. Do you Did know he? that? No, it's I didn't know that. extremely pro-gun. I didn't know which that. is which is why in a weird way I I mean I've never actually read the Communist Manifesto but I have you have yes I did I read it last year I think I only had like three or four paragraphs left to read but I read like ninety percent of it and you didn't read anything about him being pro gun not that I remember it has been a while but I know that the first thing that the Communist Manifesto um, is about like one of the ideals of Karl Marx is the destruction and abolition of private property that's goal number right, one right. So I don't know about the gun thing. I will take your word for it, but maybe we can look at. Well, that it's up weird right now. because then almost it seems as if uh, I don't know. Anyways, continue. No, no, no. Yeah. What were you going to say? It seems as if what? Well, the um, the purpose of government is to, at least the American government, is to protect property, pursuit of happiness, and uh, liberties, individual liberties, classical liberalism, right? You know, religious freedoms, all that kind of stuff, right. and. If the first tenet of any sort of ideology is to rid it, rid the the nation that it's within mm-hmm. of the of private property, then I mean, you're that defeats any purpose of government in the first place. So then, what are you gonna? What? How are you gonna have any sort of unity or oneness? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, With a centralized government. Yeah, I mean, you can't. So then who owns the property? (laughs) Everybody's just sharing it and in a utopia? I mean, that is not possible. It's our property. Well, if that's how people think, who manages the property? Everybody equally manages it? It's just not realistic. No, the one up top manages it. And that's the thing. That's what... It's a top-down system? It is a top-down system. Yeah. I don't know who's in charge of it is the thing. Like, if if everyone in the World Economic Forum is for this great reset, if the CDC is about it, if China's about it, if all of these different countries are for a one-world government, who's going to run it? There has to be someone in charge. It can't just be governed by separate entities because then it wouldn't make sense. It has to be from the top down. And I'm wondering, like, who that will be because I honestly, like, genuinely genuinely believe that this will occur in the near future. Maybe, like, in the next five to ten years. Probably ten years, honestly. The people who will be ruling and running the 
system at that point will be right here. I got it pulled up for you. All right. Autocrats. All right. I don't know much about autocrats. A person such as a monarchy ruling with unlimited authority. Yeah, but who's going to, you know, send down the messages? Are just are they just going to congregate, like these autocrats, are they going to congregate, you know, have a meeting and say, like, here's what we're going to do with this one world government. You do this, you do this, you do that. Like, they all have different roles, but are you saying essentially that the autocrats are the ones at the top making all the decisions? Yeah. Okay. It's going to be a top-down system with... Techn- well, I guess we should be calling them technocrats, auto- technical, tech, techna, uh, let's think about this, mm-hmm. tech autocrats, yeah, technocrats, I think I'm saying that, maybe yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Uh, um, mixing two words that don't mix together, but. That will very likely be a word in the future, like the technocrats. Um, they, okay. there would be an, a much easier time for people, it, it, it would be a, it would be much easier for people in power to agree if things are so centralized that there's only a handful of people who are running it. I mean, right now we've got oligarchs who are running the the tech companies and the social media platforms and controlling the public square. We're pretty much already there, really. Right, and it's not, I mean, we're just going to keep going down that road, too, looks like, if people, like, if we don't have anyone fighting for the protect, not the protection, but fighting against these big tech corporations because they are, they are essentially like what is making our society go down the road that it's going. If people don't, um, you know, push back against this and really fight for the, I don't know if it's called the protection of Section Two Thirty, but Section Two Thirty, if we're able to Section Two Thirty of what Section Two Thirty of the Constitution, maybe. Okay, is it the Constitution? I don't know. See, no these idea. are these are things that I need to look into further. But I know what Section 230 is. I don't know if it's in the Constitution. It is somewhere in our American government. That's what I know. But Section 230 distinguishes the difference between a public forum and a public platform. So, uh, sorry, not a platform. A public, a public forum and a publisher. Publishers are your newspapers, um, and they have liabilities that go along with them. They can choose what is what information is put out into, uh, you know, the world. What information is put out into society, and they have liabilities. They can be sued. These publishers and public forums, anyone can say whatever they they want. YouTube is a public forum. Twitter is a public forum. Facebook is a public forum, and that's why there's so much um, controversy over what's going on right now is that Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, and Google, the big four, the four horsemen, are um, essentially trying to become a public forum or act as a public forum and a publisher. Like the public square? What do you mean? Um, Like the idea that these businesses are so big that they are able to influence elections because they have become the modern public square where people used to be able to go stand on a soapbox and scream and yell. Yes. And they've rendered the actually uh, in-person public square obsolete. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I mean. That is exactly what I mean. And the thing is, there's no liability to them because they're a public forum where anyone can say whatever they want on their platforms, like I am right now, but... They have no liabilities, even though they strike people down for what they put in their forums. Like, 
um, you know, YouTube pages getting deplatformed, uh, getting strikes based on what, like very nonspecific things. Like, Am- like ambiguous language. Ambiguous which language. Which is, if, that, if they are, if these social media platforms are the new modern public square, then they cannot have ambiguous, loaded, biased language because they essentially are replacing laws mm-hmm. and amendments. Here's, by the way, is the, here's what Section 230 is. All right. It is the Communications Decency Act was established as Title V of the Telecommunications Act of 1996. It's been around for over 20 years. Okay. Right as the internet was growing and expanding amid the first big tech boom of the 1990s, it was originally, it was, it was initially created to regulate pornographic material on the internet. Makes sense. Excuse me. Can you read the rest of that? uh, Yeah, yeah. Senator Ron Wyden, Widen Wyden, <coughs> and Republican Christopher Cox <laughs> created Section 230 within the Communications Decency Act to protect speech on the internet. Long before social networking, Section 230 was meant to cover s- sites like, and I can't see that part, but sites like news outlets with comment sections, online forums, and other websites where people could contribute their thoughts. Without Section 230, most of the sites we use today, including Google and Facebook, would not exist as we know them. Interesting. So see, that is that is what is at stake right now is just like the ability to say your free speech is at stake, essentially. And Candace Owens actually released a video this morning. Gary and I watched it and it's pretty interesting because what's up? It was very well produced. It was very well produced. I like the theme of it. Um, y'all should go watch it. Uh, are you able to to go to her video, Gary? Yeah, I can I can try to pull that up. Give All me a right. second here. Um, Basically, though, uh, guys, Candace Owens has been saying this stuff, this exact thing that I'm telling you, maybe not with the Great Reset and all that, but she has been talking about the censorship of social media on conservative voices for the past four years, I think. And this video is kind of like an I told you so video. And she's... <laughs> She's a fucking badass. I love Candace Owens. Here's her book, too. Elevate Black Voices and get her book because she gives you a lot of history. And, yeah, she's not a victim to <laughs> what the left wants minorities to think, essentially. She is a free thinker, and she's a badass, and I love her. So this is her video, guys, if you want to watch a, a snippet of it. I think we should. Do you want me to put the... Uh Audio on for yeah. this? Yes, please put on the audio. That would be great. Yeah, let's get this going. And here we, go. here we go. Facebook is trying to delete me. Big tech is trying to delete us, our movement. We must stop them. You are smart. Long ago, you stopped believing in the corrupt corporate media. You canceled the newspapers and cable shows and began reading your news from social platforms. Dominant on those platforms were conservative voices, like mine. We are the Americans who did not have a voice in traditional media. Honestly, do you think the left wants me to have a platform to speak? But I can have a voice, here, on my own social platforms. I can be heard. That freedom infuriates the left, who used to own complete control over our information. So they hatched a plan to silence me and all of us conservatives. 
All right, Gary, you can stop it. It's paying them for it. There's way more to the video, guys. It's very, like Gary said, it's very well produced. I highly encourage you guys to watch it. But, um, yeah. I liked what she had to say. I don't, I'm not uh, a conservative by definition, but I did like what she was saying. I'm anti-censorship big time. Right. I mean, that is infringing on our First Amendment right. Like, who who are the who are the big four tech companies or not tech companies, but the big four? Who are they to say like what we can say or not is the thing. Like censorship of speech in America, that's that sounds more like China. And she mentioned <laughs> Candace Owens mentions China in that video. Yeah, so. at one point she mentions that she is suing a fact checking website called Lead Stories. Mm-hmm. And among their financial providers is Google, Facebook, and this this um this website called Dance Bites, right? Or something like Bit that. Dance or something along those lines. And the origins of that company can be traced back to the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Right. And so they are the Chinese Communist Party is essentially um the fact financing fact checkers that silence conservative voices so they are controlling the conversation that we are having the political conversation in the public square the modern public square that we are having in america they're influencing elections it's it's foreign influence which we do to other countries all the time but the fact that these people are supporting this and the guy who runs that that lead stories website was a former cnn employee for 26 years the fact that they're doing that means they're clearly in bed with the chinese communist party and what their actions are saying and the purge of conservative voices would support that mm-hmm. yep and the funny thing too is uh, all that i've been talking about with the great reset in and how it relates to what's going on today is that i don't know if you guys are aware but china the the chinese communist party actually has a system in place for their citizens right now where they have, um, I think, social scores, and it's very... Yeah, they have um, social credit scores. I'll pull social, something about that up here in a second. Social credit scores, and there's actually uh, a notification that can be sent to people in, you know, in China if someone who is in debt is about, like, 500, uh, I don't know, 500 feet away from them or something like that. They are notified when someone who is in debt to the communist, uh, Chinese communist government is around... And they just monitor the behavior of their people. They're doing it to their kids so that they pay attention in school more. All right. Here's what I got for the social credit system. The social credit system is a proposed national reputation system being developed by the government of China under CCP General Secretary Xi... Jinping. Whatever his name is. The (laughs) The program initiated regional trials in 2009 before launching a national pilot with eight credit scoring firms in 2014. It was first introduced formally by the Chinese... By then, Chinese premier, I don't know how to say that name, on October 20th. Okay, you get the point. Yeah. It is intended to standardize the assessment of citizens and businesses' economic and social reputation or social credit. Anybody in this country that, know, that understands how credit works knows that this is a fucking terrible idea. Yep. Credit scores already suck. I, I understand the purpose, but it's they're already, they already make it more difficult for people to own land and get vehicles and a number of other things. I mean, why would they... Why would anyone ever support 
a government that implements this kind of tyrannical system. Right. It's too big. This Have you seen the Black Mirror episode when they talk about this? Uh, the social credit scores? Yeah. Yeah, I have. And it's, I mean, I haven't seen it in a while, but yeah, that's exactly what's going on in China is what happened in that episode of Black Mirror, essentially. If not worse, but that's that's something to be argued at a later time. Um, with the... <laughs> You know, you know, another thing, sorry to what? interrupt no, you. No, um, another thing that's interesting is how in China they are required by law to, to carry a cell phone. They are? Yeah. That's fucking crazy, dude. I didn't know that. Yeah, so they're being tracked at all times. Not, that, I mean, not that we're not. You know, we already have these phones that the NSA is tracking constantly or the FBI, and they can... They can interfere with our communications, which is why I don't understand how those people got into the Capitol to come full circle. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. The FBI, the D.C. Metro Police, the, the, the chief of the D.C. Police resigned yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, and, you told me that this morning. And I, I just don't understand how they would not have been able to prevent or foresee something like this. I mean, it was posted all over social media for anybody to see. Yeah. They how did this happen? They, they should, didn't prepare for it. No. Why did they not prepare for it? Why did they... <sighs> maybe they maybe they were like, fuck it, let it happen. But why? Like, what would be the motive? Well, what I was saying earlier, they would be able to, they would be able to use right. Trump as a patsy in order to usher in a new wave of censorship. And it's not just going to be against conservatives. Right now, there's going to be a conservative purge. It's already happening, and it's going to get worse. I don't know how fast it's going to happen, but it's only a matter of time until they turn their sights on BLM or any other ad outside agitators that they don't like. Right, right. Pro back in the fucking 60s and 70s was, and I'll, I'll pull this up, too, for anybody who thinks this is a fucking crazy conspiracy. This stuff has been released by, um, has been uh, proven to be true by declassified government documentation. I was talking about this on my show, Faust News, last night. Yeah, Faust News right here. Um, Fa yeah, this is this is the Faust News studio. Um, and and I'll bring you on uh, the show here in, I don't know, like a week or two. I got, we got some people already lined up. Um, but here's COINTELPRO. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because it's not outside the realm of possibilities to think that the FBI or one of the other alphabet agencies is, uh, you know, infiltrating these these groups and discrediting them or subverting their actions or simply letting these people who are kind of stupid, in my opinion, trap themselves. COINTELPRO is short for Counter Intelligence Program. It was, de it was designed by the FBI. And this was 56, 1956. That's when it started. Okay. So, and it was aimed at... Like I said, surveilling, infiltrating, discrediting, and disrupting domestic American political organizations. They used taxpayer-funded resources to target groups like feminist organizations, Communist Party, anti-Vietnam War, civil rights, black power movements, specifically the, the Black Panthers and the Nation of Islam, American Indian Movement, environmentalists, animal rights organizations, and other um, new left type movements in the 60s. Um, and they also infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan. And there, it's, there's not a bunch on here, but a, a number of other uh, right-wing, right-leaning organizations. It's This is not made up. You know, this is uh, real. I mean, here's one of the documents right here. You can see it right here. I've got the here. documents. You know what I mean? So... Yeah. 
<coughs> excuse me. I'm a little feeling like kind of shitty today. But uh, to get back to what you were saying about the capital and, and what, what all we're talking about here is that there's tactics in place by the FBI that have been put in place by the FBI before to subvert people that they do not like. And it's entirely possible that they're doing this to these, these uh, what do you call them, MAGA... Trump supporters. Some Trump supporters or whatever this, this rally riot thing was. Right, and if you think about it too, like nothing, nothing really happened at the D.C. Capitol. I mean, five yeah. people died. Five people died for sure, but... There weren't riots or looting. Like there, there wasn't any of that. It just well, they were they were stealing stuff out of the actual Capitol. But oh, okay, that I was, didn't know, you know that. Pr- Well, they stole that podium and some mail and some other stuff. They broke some windows. I mean, it was. I oh. would say on on a on a whole, it was a very minor, and uh, you could argue it's like you know soft terrorism if you really really want to sh- stretch. But I, it's not like they they didn't catch anything on fire. They weren't destroying cars. A cop was killed, hitting that with a fire extinguisher. He died, mm-hmm. and they're opening an investigation into that. But I, I don't even know what to call it. It didn't seem like a riot. It seemed like some sort of dysfunctional, out of control, violent party almost. Yeah. Somebody was totally. saying that it was it was the it was um Capitol Hill push. They were uh, um comparing it to the beer hall push in the uh, 30s. Okay. With the the black shirts, the Nazis. Okay, I think that's an I'm actually not familiar an, with that. Actually, that when you said the beer something push, I, that made me think of prohibition. Let me pull it up. All right, beer hall push. Beer hall push. Yeah. So this whole COINTELPRO thing relating to you know the DC Capitol and all this other stuff. I wonder if whoever is behind the COINTELPRO, if that's a thing, like this is all speculated. This is all speculation. COINTELPRO? Yeah. Well, no, it's not speculation. It's this, no, oh, sorry. This is proven. This is factual. Okay, so it's factual. This is my speculation on it. I wonder if they had the the chief of DC police, if they, I, I wonder if they blackmailed him and that's why he resigned today. Like I wonder if they said, you need to call the shots for this. You need to tell the the DC police to stand down and let them you know infiltrate the DC Capitol or else basically I don't know what they might have blackmailed him with or yeah because it it doesn't make any sense why he would resign the next day well that makes sense I mean he clearly was fucking is not good at his job if he allowed this to happen but yeah. I mean it just uh, and look they're calling it look look at this beer hall push this is what I got pulled up they even call it. A failed coup d'etat by Nazi party leader, Adolf Hitler, and blah, 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 blah. In Bavaria, it was 1923, by by the way. It was not in the 30s. I had that wrong. But apparently, I mean, approximately 2,000 Nazis marched on Feldernhalle, I think that's how you say that, in the city center, but were confronted by a police cordon, which resulted in the deaths of 16 Nazi party members and four police officers. So, this, this is historically being referred to as a failed coup d'etat, which is what people are already calling. Right. What happened? Well, look, and even Hitler, it says Hitler, who was wounded during the clash, escaped immediate arrest and was spirited off to safety in the countryside. After two days, he was arrested and charged with treason. And Trump bailed. I mean, I'm not saying Trump is literally Hitler. (laughs) Literally Hitler! (laughs) Or anything like that. 
or that these people are comparable to the the Nazi party, but it the event is very it according to Wikipedia, which can be, you know, history is altered over time. Mm-hmm. It um it's I mean, I see some similarities there. Definitely. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I can see the similarities too and I don't know. I I don't this topic is so it is so intricate. There are so many things that go into it, but I I believe, and this is just me, I just think that it's part of a larger agenda that... A larger conspiracy? Larger conspiracy. I could see that. I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibilities, which is, again, why I say, look, Trump is either... At this point, I, I, I think that he's either really is on the outside of this thing and is trying to dismantle the corrupt system and he just isn't doing a good job at it or he is a patsy and he's being manipulated or he's part of it and this is an, an and that's the most i think unrealistic idea is that he's part of it and that it's this massive overarching conspiracy i think that he's a patsy man i think, I think he got right. in there because he's rich and he has a bunch of money and he's able to manipulate the media into giving him free uh uh, uh Free marketing, whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean? Like free airtime because he just would say crazy shit and he got in there and the fucking thing got all out of control and the powers that be manipulated the fuck out of him. I don't think this guy went in there thinking, hey, I'm going to fucking take over the whole system. Or maybe he did because he does seem to be somewhat egotistical and narcissistic. He for sure is. You have to have an ego. You have to be egotistical to be be a politician. Yeah. Politician and especially the U.S. president. I completely agree with that. Yeah, because like, Part of having an ego, and this is just like a side note, part of having an ego and like a strong personality is, or sorry, part of having a strong personality fit to be president, you have to have an ego. You can't be weak. And honestly, Joe Biden is not, he ain't it. He ain't it, chief. Biden is very corrupt. He's extremely corrupt. He's been complicit in a system that is corrupt for what, like 50 years or something? 45 years? Probably more. He's like 110 at least. But his mentor, his former mentor, was um, Robert Byrd. I don't know if you guys... pull that up? Yes, please pull that up. I can Um, do that. I think I sent it to you in... Uh, I'll find something. All right, sounds good. Um, Essentially, guys, his mentor, who died about 10 years ago... His name was Robert Byrd, and Joe Biden gave a eulogy for him. Robert Byrd was a former KKK member, if not KKK leader. I don't know if he was the leader or not. I think that he might have just been a member, but he was a part of the KKK. And no one wants to talk about the, you know, the relationship that Biden had had with Robert Byrd at all. Because they're trying to hide any dirt that the party has going on them right now. And... It's just, it's just corrupt. It is just corrupt, and it's part of a larger agenda, I think. I'm waiting for an ad to play real quick so I can pull this video up. No, dude, you're good. Um, you know what's very interesting is what's that? that I wonder if Trump, I mean, he's still president for what? Uh, two weeks, week and a half, something Yeah, like 11 more days. Um, Dang. Do you think that he is going to pardon Snowden or Assange? I think so. I don't know too much about, like, their, you know, the case going on with them. Not a case, but, like, their situation. I think that he will, honestly. Really? Yeah. You think he's going to pardon both of them? 
Well, actually, I'm just talking out of my ass because I don't know what's going on in their situation. Can you fill me in? Like, what? Ha- why are? Um, why did Assange go to jail? Why did Snowden go to jail or prison? Oh, that's a whole good. Go. That's a whole, that's other, a whole other thing. Yeah, I All mean, right. well, I'm then, trying to find that. Okay, this is the wrong video that right. I that I pulled up here. Did me, you go to the email that I sent you? Yeah, I'm gonna find it real quick. Give me a second. All right. Keep going though. All right, it's the first one that I sent you this morning, but um. This all, I bring up Biden just because he's a cog. He is he is a puppet. He is a puppet to what the Communist Chinese Party want, actually. Like, their end goal is to make the United States weak. Joe Biden is a weak president. He is not going to um, stand up for American values at all. He is going to go to extreme leftist values. And okay, I found the video. Here is the video of him, of Joe Biden, giving his eulogy for Robert Byrd. And many people here today, like guys I see, Bill Bradley and Jim Sasser, who long left the Senate for greener pastures. And I hope better remuneration. We used to kid about that too, but I, uh, for a lot of us, he was a friend. And he was a mentor, and he was a guide. As also noted, Robert C. Byrne. Wow. Yeah. Mental stability. So he says that the guy is a friend. Yeah. Yeah. How can you be friends with a former KKK member? Well, the guy did, the Robert Byrne, in his defense, he did say that he it was the biggest regret of his life. Well, a lot of people have big regrets in their life, and their sins are not forgiven. So that's the way that our culture works right now. Any mistake you make in the past comes back to haunt you. Sorry. Once a KKK member, always a KKK member. That's how it works. So cancel culture. Cancel culture. You're down with that? No, I'm not. I'm absolutely not down with it. Like... I don't know how I feel about this. I do think it's interesting that this guy died in 2010 and he was still part of the Democratic Party, which really essentially shows that the parties, I don't think, really ever switched. No, I don't think so either. Just if you look at the history of the Democratic Party, they've always been the party of slavery. And that's what Candace Owens talks about in her book. You guys need to read things that don't, you know, go along with what you already think, what you already have in mind, your preconceived notions. You can't just listen to what the politicians have to say about the party switch. There was never a switch. I think it was the The Southern one. strategy failed. What was the Southern strategy? I don't know about that. Oh, man. <laughs> you don't have to look it teaching up. Teaching you so much. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot of information. All right, hold on one second. Southern strategy. American politics. Oh. Right. Go for it, Gary. You'll read better than me. In American politics, the Southern strategy was a Republican Party electoral strategy to increase political support among white voters in the South by appealing to racism against African Americans as the civil rights movement and dismantling of Jim Crow laws in the 1950s and 60s visibly deepened existing racial tensions in much of the Southern United States. Republican politicians such as presidential candidate Richard Nixon and Senator Barry Goldwater developed a strategy that successfully contributed to the political realignment of many white conservative voters in the South who had traditionally supported the Democratic Party rather than the Republican Party. That's, I don't believe, true. I don't think that the, the, the 
South started voting Republican until like the eighties. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And this, this, true. this is this is what we're, this is what you're talking about when you bring up 1984. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this is a fucking mess. So wh- things like Wikipedia can be edited over time, right? And anything they don't like can be taken off, which is essentially what a memory hole is. Mm-hmm. And then we we look at things like I'm gonna I'm gonna. Uh, keep looking stuff up here, but it basically says that it was successful. But if you look at when when did the the South start voting Republican? I think it was in the. I think you're right, like in the 70s or the 80s. It was Strom Thurmond who was the only one who switched parties back then. That is on, that is the only politician who switched parties, and the Democrats took hold of that and they capitalized on it. He's the only dude that switched. All right, I'm looking here. Hold on one second. I'm I'm looking through uh, some stuff here. No, you're good. But <laughs> if you're still listening to this, thank you for coming down the rabbit hole with Gary and I. Much more content like this to come, maybe. Probably not. It's a, it's a lot of things to, to look so up. So here, okay, this is an example of what we're talking about here. So in... Let me switch over to this. Was that Lyndon B. Johnson? Hold on. So in, let's go to 1964 here. That's him, right? Hold on one second here. Let me, how does this look here? I have a lot to say about Lyndon B. Johnson, but I will hold my, I will hold my peace. Okay. So we've got, in 1964, Texas is Democrat. Okay. 68. Texas is Democrat. 72, Republican. 76, Democrat. Interesting. 80, Republican. 84, Republican. And from then on out, probably. Yeah, and I think that's when they became Republican. But there's other states that that sort of, uh, you know... Went back and forth. And in '92, it's damn near, uh, you know, it's it's split between all three of these guys. Anyways, the the it's not. It's like saying saying that the Southern strategy worked when it it went back and forth three or four elections is inaccurate. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you you guys saw that for yourselves. Like it, you saw how many times they flipped back and forth, and then eventually, consistently in Texas, at least stayed Republican. But I think they were going down a lot of different, um, you know, alleys and all that. I want to go back to, I want to end with this note because this is important to me primarily because this is very biblical and um, this relates to the book of Revelations a lot, like in chapter 13 especially, like with this whole one government system that will eventually take place, um, you know, the book of Revelation talks about how eventually the world is going to be under one world government, have one world currency, and, you know, get the mark of the beast and all this other stuff. Um, And that's what relates to the Great Reset and their acquisition of the Internet of Bodies. Um, Gary, if you go to that third link from the left, not that one, the top left, eventually you'll go to that one, that one. Right here. Go down to um, there's a there's a little diagram of what 
what the internet of bodies is. This? No, no, no. Keep going down. Keep going down. Keep going d- Actually, it's right there. <laughs> My bad. So, guys, this is what the internet of bodies is, and I can barely see it. Thank you very much. The internet of bodies is basically something that can track human behavior. It can track, um, you know, you can have a microchip implant implant that monitors, like, your your central nervous system, your endocrine system, all that kind of stuff. You can have a headset that relates to, like, augmented reality. And that's what they're giving to kids in China. They have these little headsets that make them focus. This headset makes them focus when they're not paying attention in school. And there's this video that circulated on Facebook, like, a few months ago. That's how I know about it. But, um, yeah, this is what the Internet of Bodies is, guys. And this is what the Great Reset is trying to, (coughs) excuse me, acquire. I've been talking a lot acquire and this is just this is just biblical a one government a one government system a one one system currency or one currency system it's just it's very very biblical and with all of these things going down um gary if you could if you could control f with one government one government I think there's a hyphen between. Give me one second. All right. I mean, keep talking. Oh, um, but yeah. So this just relates to the book of Revelation, guys. Like it, if, gosh, keep going down, Gary. If you go down to, <laughs> go down to the, like the second to last paragraph. Yeah, All right. There it is. So I think it says, yep. Thank you for zooming in. Describe some sort of power. One way to accomplish this is by controlling all commerce, and this is where the idea of a one world currency comes in. Revelations 13, verse 16 through 17 describes some sort of satanic mark which will be required in order to buy and sell. Can you imagine if we, and I can't imagine this, if we have some sort of like chip? or um, electronic tattoo on us that lets us know, like, hey, you can buy this because you have this electronic tattoo that basically monitors your behavior and your currency and your bank account, all that stuff. It's just very peculiar of how all of this is going. Well, I'll humor this. Um, What if it would be the vaccine? That's what I'm thinking, and that's why I'm not getting it. Call me paranoid, but I'm not getting this vaccine that was so rushed. It's, and I'm sorry if you are a nurse. I have family members who are nurses who have gotten this. I'm not judging you for getting that the vaccine or anything or saying any kind of like assumption about you. I personally cannot get this vaccine though because I really do think that in the next few years, like the next five to ten years, there are going to be a lot of you know repercussions, like bodily repercussions, and. Um, you know, things that happen to your body because of getting this vaccine. So that's why I'm not getting it. I think that it might be a part of the mark of the beast, but that's just me, and that's just my speculation. What do you think, Gary? Are you getting the vaccine? I probably won't get it either. I don't think I don't believe in these uh, doomsday biblical conspiracies that you're talking about, but I will agree with you that I'm not going to get it. I think I'm, uh, I'll am i be fine. I, I, whoops. 
I think that I have a pretty strong immune system, and I'm not really too worried about it. Which is funny because I'm sitting here and I'm I actually feel like shit right now. So I also feel like shit, but it's kind of funny how we're <laughs> I'm running really well on this. This morning I recorded the podcast and it was just it was it was not good. Well, we had some issues. My brother burnt the breakfast he was cooking downstairs, and the, all the smoked smoke alarms went off in the house. And then during one of them, I my nose started gushing blood. We had a weird we had a weird uh, morning. Did. Burned some time, but you know this is third time's a charm here. Hey, I, real quick, I, I do. I did bring this up here. What's up? This is an article talking about the Southern strategy. Okay, and it's it's uh I, the Southern strategy is more complicated than what it really seems to be. So I I used Texas bouncing back and forth from from blue to red as just one example. But the reality of this is that there, I don't think that much really, I don't think really people really switched parties. Um, I think, let's see here. You were talking about Strom Thurmond, right? I was talking about Strom Thurmond. And, and how many racist Dixiecrats did Nixon win for the GOP? Turns out virtually none. Among the racist Dixiecrats, who the, which the Southern strategy was directed at, Strom Thurmond of South Carolina was the sole senator to defeat to defect to the Republicans, and he mm-hmm. did the, this long before Nixon's time. Only one Dixiecrat congressman switched to the GOP. The rest, more than 200 Dixiecrat senators, blah, 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 stayed in the Democratic Party. Look up the Southern strategy. Not you, Gary, but if you guys. I, I mean, you can if you want to, Gary. Well, I, I just want to point out. Okay, sorry. My bad. I'll cut you that, off. No, you're good. I just want to point out that voters may have changed who they were voting for. And even then, that is it, it can be argued that, it, that people bounce back and forth. But the actual congressmen who were the Dixiecrats in, these, in this party did not switch over. So when people say, well, this state turned blue in in 1976 or whatever year it was, that's evidence that the Southern strategy worked. That's not true. The the actual the the party the party members did not switch. That's what I was trying to get at. Gotcha. And and if you look at right here they they echo that. This is from the Hill by the way. Okay. Which I think people can actually see. The South as a whole became Republican during the 80s and 90s. It has nothing to do with Nixon. It was because of Ronald Reagan. Wow. It was, and it appealed to conservatives. It it's so prior to the 1980s and 90s, the South was more Democrat. But hmm, that's interesting. I don't know where I was thinking about this. Anyway. All of this, this is a lot of information, so thank you for staying with us again down the rabbit hole. But um, yeah, think for yourselves, guys, because you can't trust the media now. You cannot trust social media right now. All of it is, they spew out lies. Both sides do. I do not conform to any party. I, I think what I think, and that is that. I challenge you to think for yourselves and just, you know, confirm what you think you know about your party, about I- your ideals. Just think about it and, yeah, do your own research. Also, read 1984, Candace Owens' book. Check out Candace Owens, No Spawn. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's all I have. Gary, any last thoughts? No, that's, I think that was good. Let's wrap it. All right. Thanks, Gary. See you guys next time.